Hey, girlfriends, welcome to another episode of Girlfriends and Goals. We're your hosts, Miosha and Samaria. This podcast is a space where we'll talk about friendships, life goals, a little bit of pop culture, and all things womanhood. Our top goal this year is to grow our podcast audience. So if you're new here or you're an avid listener of this podcast, please subscribe, leave us a five star rating, write a review, and be sure to share this episode with a girlfriend or two. All right, we're going to kick today's episode off with our segment called Girlfriend Check-In. And it's just where we ask each other a question, either from We're Not Really Strangers, the conversation starter game, or a random website on the internet. <laughs> but today's, um, today's question does come from We're Not Really Strangers. And that question says, based on what you see of the person in front of you, what is something you would buy for them? So something that I would buy for Samaria, which I feel like you don't really need anything. You're already so well put together. So this is a hard question. Uh, but I, I did find one thing and I would buy you fashion glasses. So if y'all don't know, Samaria does wear eyeglasses and I feel like you've had the same style or pair of glasses for a really long time. And so I don't know, that would be the one thing where I'm like, oh, I could see her in like different types of glasses, depending on like what you're wearing that day. I see there's this company, I think it's, is it called, it starts with a Z. I can't think of the name. Zool I'll link it in or something like that. Zool, yeah. And so I've seen on Instagram where ladies who uh, do have to wear glasses where it's like an inexpensive way to switch out your glasses and they come in all different styles uh, and you can kind of match it with your outfit um, for that week. But yeah, that would be the one thing because I feel like you are pretty consistent with the style. It's usually, is that a cat eye? I don't know what you call it, but I feel like you're always in a cat eye. I feel like I've seen you in a different color cat eye glass, but pretty much always a cat eye. Yes. Um, I So like about a year ago, which is time for my eye exam again. Thanks for reminding me. But um, <laughs> about a year ago, I went and picked out like two new glasses and the other styles just weren't giving. And I mean, if, if there's one thing about me, if I find something and yeah, this is even with like, if I go to a restaurant and I like the thing that I tried last time on the menu, every time I go to that restaurant, I will get that thing um so yeah this it's very on brand so I can understand why that's what you would pick yeah I mean the cat eye does look good on you because you also have to think about I guess the shape of your face and how you usually would wear your hair and I don't wear glasses but from what I see they can get kind of pricey when they're prescription so that company I mentioned I've, I've heard it's a less expensive way to do it but uh yeah I would pick out a different pair uh, just so you could like switch it up. <laughs> what what shape would you pick out? Mm. Because I did, I have tried on all shapes and decided <laughs> not to go with this. So I want to so see I what don't, you pick. So I don't know what shape I would pick, but what I will say is, you know, like those really big ones that like almost like sit 
like they go from like the top of your eyebrow to the bottom of your cheek. I would say probably not those because I feel like you have like a small almond shaped face and it would just cover too oh much. Mm -hmm. Yes. But I could see you in either an oval shaped glass or rectangle, which is not that far off from the cat eye. It's just not as dramatic on the sides and maybe a different color. I think the ones you have are tortoise. You can tell me if I'm wrong. But... These ones that I have on right now are the other ones that I have are um, not. <laughs> mm, okay. These are my computer glasses. So I guess <laughs> when you see me on our Zoom calls, <laughs> this is what I have on. But mm -hmm. yes, mm, I Googled the oval. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind trying them. The next time I go to an eye doctor appointment, I'm making you come with me. Oh, Lord, what have I done? <laughs> I did want to ask, so I think I should know this. So you you only wear your glasses. I feel like sometimes I see you with them, sometimes I don't. So you only wear them when you're like reading on the computer and driving? Uh, I usually wear them when I'm leaving my house, yes, because I'm driving. And recently I started using them on the computer. But usually, yeah, like before I didn't do that. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I, it's like a 50-50 chance of me seeing you in glasses. Yeah, because I'm, I'm just always on the computer and that like damages your eyes. I just decided to wear them. I don't know if they're helping or not. In my head, they are. So whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's why I started to, because I'm just on the computer way too much now doing all this like writing and stuff. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so mine is very simple. <laughs> I would buy you earrings because you love them. Is that too basic? No, I'll take it. <laughs> okay. So yes, that's what I would buy Miosha. I think she really likes earrings. And so for me, it's just um, a matter of buying her what she already likes, maybe a color that she doesn't already have or a style that she doesn't already have. But yeah, that's what I would get you. Mm, I, I thought you were going to say you would buy me a haircut because I'm in desperate need of one. No, I, I don't like you when you cut. Well, okay, that was about to be dramatic. But um, I'm usually protesting against your haircuts. Which is true, but my hair is just astronomically long right now. So I disagree, what, but whatever. <laughs> that's what I thought you were going to say, but okay, I'll take the earrings instead. That's fine. That is so funny. <laughs> okay. So we're going to jump into today's episode, which I think is going to be an interesting one. So we on previous episodes have talked about just how different generations feel about relationships, right? And so like maybe older generations might give relationship advice that is more tailored to the time that they were coming up and how things were versus someone who is like in our age group might give different advice. And I mean, I'm sure younger people will probably say something different. So today we're gonna to be talking about some of the advice or if it's not even advice, just the ways that we've heard older generations, men and women talking about relationships and just breaking down what we think about that how those ways of thinking have affected us and what we might look for or how we might be within relationships. So we have a list y'all. And if there's <laughs> something that you feel like fits this topic, but isn't on the list, we definitely want you guys to hit us up on Instagram and let us know. But the first one that I'll kick us off with and just get your reactions to is 
make sure they love you more than you love them. Mm, I have heard this many of times. And I think, I don't know if I would call this the benefit, but I think this particular advice is given from a place of making sure maybe that you're not, as a woman, not too thirsty mm. too soon. Uh, so that's what I would maybe deem as like the positive or benefit of what they intended for. But I think the danger of this is obviously it carrying throughout the entirety of the relationship where it's imbalanced or you're going out of your way to not show love and affection or to be vulnerable yeah. because of this fear of like, oh, well, if you show them too much love and they're going to do X to you and you guys can use your imagination on what X is. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. I heard this from a man who said that his mom told him this mm -hmm. and immediately I was like, oh, okay, so that's why, that's why you are the way that you are. You know, like you just observe people's behaviors and then they say something and it makes sense why they behave the way that they do. But I definitely agree with you on what the danger of it is. It's like, almost like it's a competition. Like I can't show this person that I care more than they care about me. And if you're the person who believes in like love languages, care to you might look different than it does for that person. So it's like, they might be showing you that they really care about you through, I don't know, acts of service, but you're more of a words of affirmation person. So they might be doing all they can to show you how much they care about you, but you're not receiving that because they're not affirming you with words, you know? So I, I think that's really dangerous to, to think that way. Um, like you said, the positive side of it and the way that I think people should give this advice is more so, hey, if you, if you see someone who really isn't showing interest in you the way that they should, right? Like you're definitely the one who's trying more in the relationship or you're taking it more seriously and you can see this person isn't showing caring and kind behaviors towards you, then that definitely means you should reconsider this person's place in your life. That's the way I wish it was stated, I think, <laughs> which yeah. is a lot more. And I'll, and I'll also add too, I think when older women are, have given this advice, I think it's under the assumption that as the woman, we're more likely to fall faster and harder mm -hmm. in the dating process. So they're kind of in a way trying to protect you from falling too hard too soon. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's nuance that, that needs to be considered in every situation. All right. So the next one is that men are told that marriage is a trap. Ooh, yeah, I, I've definitely heard this one. I feel like it's in all the movies where when the men go to their like um bachelor party, uh, their friends are like, ooh, you're the first one to go down. Or like they make it sound like <laughs> they make it sound like it's just the worst thing ever. And obviously I think the danger in that is that um it creates situations where men don't want to commit because they've been told maybe that commitment or that type of commitment is a negative thing. But I do think like, and there's no positive for this at all. But <laughs> what I was gonna say, <laughs> what I was gonna say is that I, I'm seeing this less now. 
than, you know, maybe when I was like maybe 10 years ago, you know, uh, because I think we have the internet and like several podcasts. Like the one that I like is Let Us Tell It with um, That Chick Angel's husband. And they just talk about how beneficial marriage has been to them and how they wouldn't change that for the world. Like they enjoy being married. And I love it when people present marriage as something that is enjoyable. I think most of us understand that it comes with difficulties, right? And that is something that I think people should be transparent about. But I also think people should be transparent about hey, this is really something that is enjoyable. This is something that benefits me greatly and makes me a better person. I enjoy the family dynamic. You know, I enjoy being in a relationship with this one person um, and the stability that it brings and the security that it brings. So yeah, I don't see any good in this advice being given over time, only bad. And I'm just grateful that there are people who are kind of like debunking this. Yeah, I agree that there isn't any good. I will say, while there are men, I think, trying to debunk it, mm -hmm. unfortunately, the men with mics and some of the men with podcasts, I think, are contributing still to men focusing on what they're losing mm -hmm. with marriage. Uh, so you're right. It is good to see that there are some men who are out there talking about the positives and one thing that I have heard, I can't say that this has been from older generations or younger. I've just something that I've heard, yeah. but I haven't heard as much like focus being put on what men gain with marriage, mm -hmm. but more so what women gain with marriage. And I don't know if you've seen that uh, or heard that, but I think with with women, there's a lot of excitement. Like, oh, girl, you're going to have a husband. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of focus on what you're gaining, what you're gaining, not what you're losing. But with men, it's like, ah, oh, you know, all these things. It is like, actually, I feel like y'all gain a whole lot, but this isn't the episode to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. And what's interesting is that this has been something that's been said for so many years. And I wonder what the women's perspective of that is, you know, like, I'm sure there are several of them who feel trapped in marriage or, you know, definitely in the past who have felt trapped in marriage, especially, you know, during the time when women couldn't have bank accounts in this country without a man or things like that. And so I hate that there is this like imbalance in society <laughs> where it's like, you're gaining so much when in reality, are they? And I wish we would have heard more of those perspectives. Um, maybe we are starting to hear about them more now because these are new times, but <laughs> I, I wish throughout history we would have been hearing that other side as well, as opposed to, oh, you just got up a level or went up a level in status because you're now attached to another human being. Yeah. So the next one that we came up with that we feel like we've heard a lot is... Uh, you need to date around. Don't settle down too early. I thought like we kind of addressed this on a previous podcast episode, which was um, I got married really young. It was definitely one of our first 25 episodes, I feel like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what do you think about this statement? Yeah, I've heard this one a lot. And I think mostly given to couples who I would say like in their early 20s or entertaining engagement and marriage. And so I think that 
this advice is beneficial in that I think the older generations want to make sure that you don't get to an older age like them and maybe have regrets about how you spent your youth. Yeah. Um, but it also is under the assumption that maybe you wouldn't fully enjoy marriage and all of what comes with that um, or being partnered in a long-term relationship very young. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's what they see as beneficial, but I think it's dangerous in that you might just actually find your person and <laughs> you could miss out on all the greatness that comes with meeting that person young and be out in the dating streets. And there's no guarantee that you may come across that right fit again, or, or it may not come when you want it to come. So I get it, but I'm like, mm, if you find that person, like I have people in my life who have been together since a very young age. And from what I can see, they seem to be very happy, have a loving, healthy relationship. Um, and so if you find that and it works, I mean, why are you going to not have that? Yeah, major key. And it works because I also don't want, you know, people settling down when things don't work because they feel like that's the thing to do. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I think the whole date around thing is, is really dangerous, especially if it doesn't take into account what that person wants. So you might meet people who really want to date around at certain stages in their life. And I think that's okay. But if you ran into someone who's like, no, I have dated enough. <laughs> I've seen what I needed to see. And right now I'm just going after what it is that I want long-term. I think there's nothing wrong with that. And so I think people just need to take into consideration each person, each individual's like specific desire. Yeah, I could agree with that. So the next one is, girl, you better not take no gifts from men. You know, <laughs> they, go, you know they gonna expect this, this, and that. <laughs> yeah. I, hmm. On one hand, I definitely understand this, right? I do think there are some sick individuals out there who think that, <laughs> gift giving means that they deserve something in re return like you'll see this even uh you don't see it as much lately but even it used to be talked about with people who take others on dates like oh if this man takes you to this type of restaurant you better expect that he wants something in return and so I think it is something to be on the lookout for like if there's a person who seems entitled when they do anything nice for you like I, I put this on my Instagram stories the other day I had gone to a grocery store and I had my things in my hand because nobody needs a cart right <laughs> and I went to the register and there was a guy who was there and he uh he was like oh I think he just motioned for me to put my stuff down on the conveyor belt because you know he had some space behind his thing and I was like thank you and he I guess took it as an opportunity to like have a conversation with me or like try to push some type of conversation. And I was just like, okay, I don't think like all you did was motion for me to, you know, like put myself down. So there wasn't any, there shouldn't have been any type of expectation, you know? So I do think it is something to be mindful of like people being kind to you and expecting something in return. Um, but do I think that you should just turn down all gifts? Like probably not. Mm -mm. No. And then with this, it's like, okay, well, even, even if 
the way that this person is going to treat you is triggered by the accepting of gifts. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you rather know that sooner rather than later? Yeah. So say yeah. you just go down the path of nope, nope, I'm not accepting anything. Mm-hmm. But this person really is mm-hmm. weird. <laughs> <laughs> and so then you you've kind of had I think a missed opportunity just to see how they would handle that situation. Kind of with all of this advice that we may be hearing, I think it put it's coming from a place of protecting you, but then I think if taken to the extreme, Mm -hmm. then you're not living through maybe real situations that can maybe test whether you should want to move forward or whatever, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. you're preemptively not doing this, not doing that. It's like, well, maybe you should just to see how they will respond or act. Yeah. I don't know. Like I just, it's hard to imagine my birthday coming up and I don't get no type of gift like dang, but I will say there was an older woman who uh, I've, I've her talk about the impact that this statement had on her life and she was Mm. saying if she could go back she would receive the gift like she would take the gifts she's like she realized now that there wasn't any type of expectation in certain people who she had in her past and so she was so busy like following that advice like no you can't accept a gift from them you can't accept the gift from them because they'll want whatever and it's like that never really rang true in the situations that she was in, you know? So that was something that she expressed as a regret, which I thought was interesting. And it just, you can want a lot of things that don't mean you have to. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't mean you get them. Right. Yeah. It's like um, in that, that song Bugaboo by Destiny's Child. Oh, I forget it right now, but she's just like, just because you bought me shoes doesn't mean I owe you anything. Those are, those are the exact lyrics. Yeah. And I think that I'm not thinking about them right now. I bet I'm going to think about it midway through the podcast and just work them out. <laughs> but listen to the song Bugaboo by Destiny's Child because they cover this. Yeah. All right. So the next one that we came up with was um, men initiate the marriage, but women make the marriage last. What are your thoughts on that? Hmm. Have you heard this one before? So I don't know that I've heard it before. Okay. But I think... Uh, women have alluded to it in that it's on like obviously you're not proposing to yourself Mm -hmm. but once you're in the marriage a lot of it's on the woman to continue it forward Mm -hmm. and I've even heard you know some older women um, refer to the fact that women are the one who initiate divorces and whether they choose to say or keep the marriage going or not Uh, so I think that this advice I honestly I don't see any positive (laughs) in this um because it just feels very Mm one-sided I think we should be in partnerships that are equally like equal energy and effort is being put in to get now maybe not all at the same time because life happens but I'm saying overall it shouldn't just be yeah on one person to quote-unquote keep it going I think the danger in that is that as women, we we feel the brunt of the load of keeping it going. Mm-hmm. And there's this sense of fear that if you don't do this or you do things like this, that it's all on you if this ship can continue to move forward, which I don't think yeah. uh, is fulfilling or is motivating long-term. Mm-hmm. I think it can very much set women up to be worn down. Yeah. Um, and your partner may not even feel that way. Mm. 
that's a good one. You know, another danger that I see with this is that it kind of breeds judgment with other women. So say, for example, you're a woman whose marriage doesn't last. I, so I've heard this for sure, definitely in my like cultural background. <laughs> uh, and mm -hmm. I think I've also seen where women whose marriages don't work out get the blame for it not working out. And I think it's largely because of this sentiment here where it's like, well, well, it was up to you to keep the marriage going. It's like, okay, so he can do anything he wants and it's up to me to like stay and make things. No, that, that to me is not acceptable. And I understand that there were times where it was acceptable, right? But at least like now it's less acceptable. And uh, yeah, so I think that's a danger of it is like, people can be holier than thou when they witness another woman going through a divorce or having gone through a divorce, they can be really insensitive in suggesting that it was her fault that the marriage fell apart. Yeah. Or feel a way that they would choose to not continue to stay in the fight. Mm -hmm. So there is this kind of sentiment of like, oh, well, it's all on the women. Yeah. You have some older women looking at women being like, oh, okay, well, yeah, my situation may have been similar. I felt the same way, but what, why do you think you get to check out of the fight? Right. I stayed. Why can't you? <laughs> that it's, it's that, uh, we talk about it in academia a lot because you'll see those, you know, those professors who are like, well, I have to suffer through it. Why can't you? And it's like, okay, chill because we have technology. We have things that have made it easier because it shouldn't have been so hard in your day, you know? Yeah. And so it's that same sentiment of, well, we learned how to, we just learned how to suffer through it. Okay, we don't want to suffer through it no more, girl. Like those, those days are done for some Yeah. Yeah. And something similar to this, I don't know that this is necessarily a saying, mm -hmm. but more of, I think, like an ideology, I'll call it the mirror effect where older women look at younger women and they kind of expect that you are going to take their advice or the path that they took. And so in them, in the younger women choosing to deviate from that, mm -hmm. they the advice that they're giving you may not necessarily align with what you want for your life, but they kind of see it as, hey, well, this is just how we do things, whether it's this is just what we do in our family, this is what the culture ex expects. And so it can happen with mothers and daughters or just aunties or women who feel like they feel a way that you're taking a different path from doing it how they did it. Mm. It's almost like them looking in the mirror like, well, I did it this way. So you know, you're not doing it the way I'm doing it. Why? Is the way wrong? Yeah. Like, even though you're not saying that their way was wrong, you're like, oh, I just want to do it different. Mm -hmm. They see it as maybe them being slighted in that like, oh, maybe you're too good or my way was wrong. Got you. Okay. I don't, I don't think this is the sentiment that the, the mom had in this situation I'm about to stay, but um, Tammy Roman from the Basketball Wives, you guys might know, she's also an actress, but her daughters decided to like, take the path of abstinence, right? So they were going to wait till marriage. Um, before sleeping with a man and that's not the way that she did it and so she was really concerned that that was the path they were choosing 
And she went and she took them to a clinic so that they would have all of the information. I think for her, it was more just of a, just because she's like, if they change their mind at any point, I want to make sure that I prevent diseases. I prevent pregnancy. Like she was really trying to take matters into her own hands, but I can easily see how from their perspective, because they fought against it a little bit. They were like, Hey, you need to understand, like, this is just the way that we want to do it. Um, I think that could be easily seen as them thinking she was maybe saying, okay, you guys aren't taking the way that I took, which maybe she thinks is the better way, but they disagree with or whatever the case might be. Um, I think she was just showing genuine concern, but yeah, I think it can be seen as that way too. You know, another instance of this though, it's not exactly the same, but do you remember when uh, Wendy Williams spoke out because Tabitha Brown's husband, uh, left the police force because she was making enough money and mm -hmm. he's like i've been there i've done that and it's gonna it's gonna end up biting her and so she was like really projecting her experiences on tabitha brown not considering hey this is a different situation than the mm -hmm. one that i had you know just really uh really projecting which i think is a part of the mirror effect that you were describing <laughs> Yeah, and really all advice, I think, that we give, right? I mean, you're a culmination of your life experiences, what you've been through. Yeah. And so I think it's almost natural that when you're giving advice or you have expectations of people close by you, yeah. that all you really may know is what you've seen. I will say, though, that I think one of the differences between maybe our generation, so we're millennials and maybe our parents who are baby boomers, is that we have access to much more information. Mm -hmm. And so our life experience isn't just about our street and our family and maybe the few friends that we had at school. Like we're globalization, like we're all over the place and we have access to so much. And so I think for us, it'll be interesting to see like the type of advice we give and et cetera, et cetera, like once we're at that point, because I think our view and our experiences will just be a lot more broad because we have access to more information. So even if it wasn't our own experience yeah. or someone in our immediate circle, yeah, we have access to just so much more. Mm, yeah, I can definitely, definitely see that. All right, I'm, I'm going to have you talk about this one. Uh it's the one where people say, you know, you'll never really know a man until you've had his children. Hmm. Yeah. So I can't say that I've heard this frequently, but I have heard it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe I heard it before I had a child myself and maybe I just didn't pay any attention to it because yeah. <laughs> I'm in that space. But I feel like I've heard it more since becoming a mother, not to me directly, but to other women. Yeah. And so I think that uh, the positive that's intended with this advice, I'm not saying that it is, but I think what they intend when they say this is that they want you to maybe not let your guard down so much in that you will never really know a person until you see them in a certain situation. And so also I'll say that I don't think it's because of the child itself that's driving this advice. I think it's just because of the stressors that come with having a child or growing your family. 
Um, so yeah, that's the only positive I could think of is them maybe trying to protect you from thinking that you know a person when they don't think that you will or that you do. I think the danger in this is that it kind of breeds a sense of fear, potentially unnecessarily. And so it's a very broad statement in that, oh, you're not going to know this person until you have a child when they very well could know this person. They don't know. The person who's saying this, like they don't know. You know, you know what I think, and this goes to your previous point. I think it is trying to set the expectation or have you set the expectation that people change or Mm -hmm. people react to different, you know? So, hey, if your expectation is this for this person, be able to give them grace because new situations, you know, might just bring up different responses that they might not have even expected. So uh, like I hear it a lot with marriage, right? Like, okay, you never know somebody until you're married to them or you never know somebody until you live with them even. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily to be like, oh, well, they're going to do you dirty. (laughs) It's more so like, hey, set your expectations accordingly Uh, and just know that there will be things that come up that you don't like or you can't live with or situations where you have to extend grace, you know? Right, and I don't even think it's that you don't know the person. I think it could just be that maybe you've never been in that situation with that person before. So like the living together, it's new experiences for the both of you. Having your first child is new experiences for the both of you. So- Um, I don't know. I think that it does put a lot of pressure on women uh, because I feel like I've heard this given more to women. Mm -hmm. I'm not a man, so I don't know. But I think it puts a lot of pressure on women once again to kind of carry the load Mm -hmm. (laughs) on thinking future tense and like carrying the relationship through adjusting your expectations. Um, When I don't know that men are being prompted with that same type of advice maybe they are yeah I don't know but I I haven't heard it much myself I do kind of want to pivot a little bit from the list of things that you know people commonly say to just ask you this what are what are some of the things that you think or that you've noticed have been passed down from one generation to another or things that you feel like you know this generation has had to unlearn from previous ones Well, one thing that I can think of that I know that has been passed down, but I can see that my generation is trying to do things a little bit different is this need to lean on being so independent. And so I think, at least for me within my family and the women around me, I think the advice of you being able to take care of yourself, you can't depend on anyone else, I think was given from a place of making sure that you're okay. And I I understand it. And I'm also thankful for that advice too, because I feel like as a woman, it does give you a sense of peace and freedom in being able to depend on yourself. And that's a beautiful thing. But I also think that, at least I know for me, it can put you in situations where your kid just carrying too much by yourself unnecessarily. Uh, And so what I see with my generation, 
some women are just like, okay, like, yes, I can be independent, but I don't mind having help as well. Or I can be a, you know, a boss, but I have, I want to live the soft life as well. I'm not trying to run myself into the ground. So yeah, that's one thing that I feel like is shifting with the next generation. Bosses can live a soft life. (laughs) Well, I, I just say that because of how I like picture my future, but that's all. (laughs) um I definitely agree with that though just the um the ability to not go so hard in instances where you know previous generations might have uh I don't know that I have seen that a whole lot in my like experiences or encounters with older women uh but I think it also has a little bit to do with like a cultural thing Mm -hmm. oh yeah most most definitely um you know, like one one thing I can think of is just this notion of like a lot of Black women being pushed, you know, like, hey, you have to get your education, your education, like mm-hmm. that there's no way around it. And yes, from the sense of like, oh, education is important, but more so because that's how you're going to survive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you have a husband or a partner, like that's great. That's like icing on the cake. But girl, you better get that education and go hard for yourself. Because I do think that there's this cultural expectation that as a Black woman, you should be able to do it by yourself. Mm, interesting. That's um, that's a really good point. I think one other thing that I think has been passed down, and I don't think it's gone anywhere. Like, I think mm. it was passed down and it's, it's circulating. <laughs> it's... Um, <laughs> a mistrust of men Mm. or should I say a distrust of men because I feel like there's a difference between those two not trusting men and I I think there's a positive to that because a lot of people can't be trusted right and you definitely want to do the best that you can to warn you know younger generations of that but I think Maybe a better lesson is, hey, if you see something funny, be ready to move as opposed to a blanket statement like none of them can be trusted. Um, Because I wonder then how that just impacts relationships. Like, you know, how did I, why did I get married? The first one, when Angela's like, when he comes in, I know how how fast his um, heart is beating and I know the mileage on his car and all that stuff. Like, that's a really miserable way to live. And um, I just think there are better ways to teach the lesson of, hey, you don't have to take everybody at their word. Make sure you pay close attention to the actions that they're doing and be ready to protect yourself in the event that they can't be trusted. You know? Once again, it's a lot of pressure on women. Yeah. You're carrying that. Imagine you're in a great relationship and this person is trustworthy. They're all the things, but you have this voice that like, Oh, but they still can't be trusted. They still can't be trusted. Like it just feels very anxious. Yeah. You relax (laughs) too much. It is too much, but I I definitely think that's something that is, is passed down. So I wanted to ask you, how do you navigate? getting advice from older people because I feel like you know there's needs to be maybe the sense of reverence and respect 
mm-hmm. for their life experience and their wisdom. But we are also in different times and it's also our own individual lives mm-hmm. to live. Yeah, I think uh, a few things because I'm, I'm blessed to have a lot of like wise, older people in my life. Um, I'm very grateful for it. I think one of the ways that I navigate it is uh, I, al- I always listen, like I always hear what they say. And then I do have to have a moment where I'm like, is this my reality? So what they said, is it reflective of my reality? Because like you said uh, about the situation where, okay, you're around someone who is trustworthy, you know, like how do you cope, (laughs) you know, if you're hearing all of this um, feedback. So yeah, I think I will hear it and then I have to reflect on it. Like, is this reflective of my current experiences? One other thing that I look at is, does this person know the people involved, right? Have they taken the time to learn either by just hearing me talk about them or whatever? So say, for example, I'm getting advice on friendship, right? Does this person have a good understanding of who this friend is? So now I can trust that they're giving advice based on who I am as a person, who they are as a person, and what our relationship has looked like up until this time. So that's one thing that's very important to me. Have you taken the time to actually get to know this person so that I know that it's valid? For example, if someone were to come and say, oh, um, Miyosha told you the other day that she didn't like how your hair looked because she's jealous of you and she doesn't want your hair to look better than hers. I would be like, okay, you don't know, you don't know Miyosha and you don't know our relationship because the most untrue thing is her being jealous about how I look or whatever and not wanting me to get my shine that's just not the relationship that we have so yeah that's um that's something else that I take into consideration how about you yeah I agree with everything that you said one other thing that I take into consideration is just like what's going on with them Mm. and so I don't think that people have to be perfect to give advice or to reflect or pass on wisdom Mm -hmm. but I do kind of look at them and where they are in terms of like emotionally, mentally, are they the type of person to take accountability for areas where they may have messed up in the past? Because for me, that's important. Just kind of like what's going on with you when you're passing on this wisdom. And it's not to say that people can't pass on great advice if they're in a place of struggling or whatever, because I do think that that is possible, but I just want to make sure that the advice that you're giving, giving is somewhat neutral. Maybe it's a little bit biased, but it's not coming from a place of maybe you hurting or being in an uncomfortable spot. Like I want to make sure that it's like clear minded advice. Yeah, I, I love that uh, you said like people don't have to be perfect to give advice because I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And something that my dad said, I think I've also mentioned this on the podcast before, but he was like, uh, if I wanted to go to um, somebody for marital advice, I might go to the person who's been in two or three marriages just because <laughs> they have more experience I could borrow from. Like, no, they're not perfect, but, you know, they have more experience that maybe they can share with you, you know? 
Um, so yeah, yeah, sometimes the imperfect, quote unquote, imperfect um, person is the better one to go to for for advice. Oh, you know another thing. I also think that people should keep in mind that a lot of the time, uh, older people are talking from a place where maybe divorce wasn't as uh, common. <laughs> and I, I know that sounds really bad, but like sometimes you'll hear people say, see, once you're in it, you're stuck in it. And it's like, I don't know who's stuck in it, but <laughs> maybe not me, you know? Like, so I think, I think that kind of removes some of the pressure a little bit. Not that anybody wants to go into a divorce or goes into a situation, but just knowing that if this person turns out to be abusive in any way that I didn't see before uh, or nobody else around me saw before, I do have options to protect myself, you know, and divorce is one of those options. Yeah. And when you say divorce wasn't as common, I think from like a practical standpoint, like who was initiating divorce. But I also think just from like a cultural standpoint, like it just being seen as unacceptable or you don't want to be a divorcee. It's like yeah. a scarlet letter, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas with us, it's like, no, we're not going to live miserable lives. <laughs> yeah, We might have to do what we have to do and move on. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Don't forget, follow us on Instagram at Girlfriends and Goals Podcast because we'd love to hear your thoughts on this discussion. And of course, you can share some other bad advice that older generations have passed along. If you haven't already, please go ahead and subscribe. Don't forget to rate, review, and share. Until next time, bye. Bye.